Hey, what's up everyone? It is Pastor Marcus here from the storychurchproject.com. Welcome to the Story Church Project podcast where our focus is how to redesign the local Adventist church to tell its story loud to a culture that is no longer listening. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear and that it inspires you to make a difference in your local church today. the story church podcast today the episode is going to cover an amazing topic and it's called this why you should stop going to church now you're probably thinking that's a crazy title what is this crazy weird pastor going to get on about but uh, i'm actually not alone today and the title is not really totally my idea it's inspired by the assistant editor of the adventist record maritza brunt who's joining me today maritza how are you Hey, Marcos. Doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, man, it's absolute pleasure to have you here. And um, we're, we're going to dig into later on into this article that you wrote titled yeah. Why I Don't Go to Church. And you wrote this yes. for the Adventist record. Um, I did. And it's yes. crazy. It's a crazy title. And I'm sure very that for clickbaity. Very <laughs> well, I'm sure for those who haven't read it, they're probably like, you know, what is this going to be about? Yeah, 100 um, percent. I mean, even the people that did read it were just like, what is this? You know, it kind of keeps you guessing till the end. That's but. right. Uh, but it's fantastic. It's powerful. And and so before we get into that, though, um, yes. I want to just take a few moments to get to know you a little bit better. And, and for okay. our, our listeners as well, can you tell us about the legend of Maritza? Okay, so I am, uh, like you said before, I'm assistant editor for Adventist Record. I work in Warunga for the church. Uh, it's a real blessing to be able to be doing that. Um, I live in Kurumbong, so I commute every day. Um, married to Dan, who is a pastor uh, up here on the central coast in New South Wales. Woohoo! Yeah, Ooh. and we're <laughs> currently expecting our first child. We just recently nice. found out that we are pregnant. Well, when I say we, I really say I'm pregnant, um, <laughs> but we are on this journey together. Um, and so, yeah, we're just, our days are pretty much filled with just ministry, um, both his ministry and my ministry, um, preparing for this new little blessing and yeah, just generally just trying to keep our heads above water. <laughs> that is yeah. awesome, man. Look, uh, there's a lot of crazy cool things that are happening in your life right now, obviously, you're expecting, you know, expecting a baby and, yeah. you know, be an editor for the Adventist record. And I know um, since uh, Jared took over there, was it two years ago now? I think it, two or three, I think. Two, yeah. two or three years ago now. Yeah, I know he's been. I think this would be his third year. His third year. I, I, think, I know yeah. he's got like a like an innovative vision that he's been um, yeah. wanting to, you know, to bring. So I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of exciting stuff going on there. And then, you know, your husband being a pastor as well. Um, how, how many churches does he pastor, by the way? So he's got two churches. One okay. of them is a church plant. Um, and then the other one is just, it's more of an older church. Um, but both churches are really friendly, really lovely people. So yeah, we're really enjoying them and really blessed to be where we are. Yeah. That is awesome. That is awesome. Now, with the arrival of... Um, the little bub who's on the way. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, what, what are we talking? Because uh, I'm not actually sure, like, you know, uh, is is it a few months away? Is it a few weeks away? So it's currently, as we speak, it's uh, six months away. Six months, um, okay. Yeah, so it's still got a little bit to go. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> a lot of people, a lot of people have said to me, oh, enjoy your pregnancy. It goes by so fast. And I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, like I have just been struggling to get yeah. through the first trimester and I've still got another two to go. It's like <laughs> it's not so going by fun. fast enough. It's not going fast <laughs> enough. No, not in the slightest, but that's okay. No, it's six months away, uh, which means that we still have a little bit of time to prepare. So ba okay. baby's due uh, middle of July. So, yeah, we really have no idea what we're in for, um, but that's okay. You know, you learn on the spot. You just right. learn to just go with the flow. And that's yeah, a good man. metaphor for life in general, I yes. think. So, uh, look, it's, yeah. it's part of the journey. It's part of the adventure. And 100%. I want to congratulate you and, and Dan. Um, Thank and, you. And, you know, Thank we'll be you. praying we're... for you guys that you have a, a you know, healthy and, and 
how can I put this comfortable if that's, you know, as, as reasonably comfortable as you can be in a pregnancy? We'll keep you guys in prayer for sure. I appreciate that. Thank you. Now, look, I want to ask you a silly question because I always do that um, okay. before we dive into into our topic. And so, sure. the, the, look, the Internet is a buzz. All right. Yes. It's been a buzz for like since Christmas with <laughs> with this movie, um, okay. this movie that uh, I was I was suckered in by all the hype. And so I sat down and watched this movie Bird Box on Netflix. Have you seen it? Did you okay, like it? So I was, was it, also know? suck it in because <laughs> everybody was raving about it. Um, and normally I don't get suck it in by these types of things, especially seeing as the three tags on the movie were like post-apocalyptic, horror, thriller. Um, none of those are my cup of tea. But okay. I was like, wow, people are really talking about this. And I really like keeping up with current trends current affairs so I was like okay I'll give it a go and that was a mistake because <laughs> I watched like five percent of the movie with sound and 95 percent of the movie um with my headphones off completely my goodness um, how, how did that so like did you just did you have um subtitles on to read the nope the... no subtitles I pretty much got the gist of what was going on but yeah there wasn't a lot of intellectual rigor there was not a lot of intellectual well I don't know I missed half the movie <laughs> more than half the movie but i'm willing to bet by all the people and the the killing happening that i don't think i missed too much dialogue or important dialogue anyway um so yeah why i decided to watch it i really to this day have no idea i watched it at night time as well which was stupid mm. and i watched it um, on a night where my husband was not home. He was at my <laughs> prayer meeting or something else. Oh, so goodness. I think, I, yeah, the odds were just against me from the, the start. Yeah, so yeah. needless to say, it wasn't my favorite. <laughs> um, yeah, would not recommend. Yeah, look, I agree. <laughs> um, I, I do like post-apocalyptic movies. It's my favorite genre. Okay. I don't like zombie movies. It's not my thing. You know, okay, like so just, what's the difference between post-apocalyptic and zombie? Because for me, that's so the same like, thing. Yeah, so like a post-apocalyptic movie, um, I'm trying to think of a movie now that's post-apocalyptic that doesn't have zombies <laughs> in it. Um, but like, I can, I can, it's just more of a, I'm on the spot, so I can't think of one. But like okay. TV shows, like The 100, for example, is a post-apocalyptic, okay. you know, TV series. You know, no zombies. It did have some weird creatures in the first season and then mm -hmm. didn't have them anymore after. Um, but it's just, yeah, like, I just love the sort of the mystery and the, you know, I don't know. Like, I, I just really enjoy that genre. But, okay. um, you know, sort of the survival and, and the big questions on ethics that are usually explored in those kind of themes. Okay. But this one was just... I don't know. This thing was. <laughs> I mean, if it, it if was it did cheesy, answer you know, big questions like you know and solve life's mysteries, I wouldn't have known about it because, like I said, yeah. I watched it with. So you didn't like it then? No, no. I look. I thought it was so cheesy. My wife checked out a lot sooner than I did. You know, like okay. about. <laughs> Yeah, about 75% of the movie, I mean, about 50% in, she was done. But she, okay. she, she about 75% in, she pulled out her phone and started doing other things. <laughs> um, I watched the whole thing because I'm one of those guys who's like, you know what, I've invested this much time. You know, let's go all the way. Yep. Yeah, so, um, but yeah, it was, it was just very, um, I don't know, like, so predictable and unoriginal okay. and, you know, but, you know, Bullock did a good job. She did. She did some good acting. I thought, you know, take one positive away from there. Yeah, um, I mean, from from what I could see without my headphones on, she looked like she was doing a <laughs> convincing job. So, you know, kudos oh, classic, to her. Man. I think the most ridiculous thing that's come out of it is like the people actually trying to do this bird box challenge where they're driving around with blindfolds on. I'm like, are you kidding me? Oh, I haven't heard of that. Oh, That's yes. actually really dangerous. Yes, it is. Well, Netflix wow. been, Netflix has been issuing like these warnings to tell people stop doing the bird box challenge because I don't know who made it up. Netflix didn't. Um, but apparently people have been driving with their blindfolds on and recording themselves. And, you know, it's been, you know, people have gotten hurt. There's been car accidents. And I'm just like, you know, some people 
Yeah, I don't know. Well, that's that's <laughs> that's just ridiculous. Yeah, that's a that's a wow. you know that's a topic for another time. The uh, yeah, for the sure. Cognitive the cognitive capacity of the culture yeah, today. Of anyway, some people. <laughs> yep. or lack thereof. So there you have it. Um, there you have it, guys. If you haven't seen Bird Box, uh, you know, don't waste your time. Don't, don't, don't watch it. You're not missing out on much. <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Well, hey, let's dive into this topic because I'm really excited to explore this. Uh, like I said, today um, for our episode, we're going to, you know, the title of this episode is Why You Should Stop Going to Church. And uh, Maritza, you, you wrote an article I did, um, yes. in February. Uh, of 2018 titled why I don't go to church mm -hmm. and the subtitle is Adventist record assistant editor Maritza Brunt has decided to stop going to church here's why such a yes title. I didn't I write I didn't write that subtitle Who came I read up the with title that? but I didn't write the subtitle <laughs> <laughs> it's brilliant it's brilliant I love okay it. but um I, I wanted to what's we're, we're going to talk about the article okay um and and sort of the heartbeat of what you're getting at there. But I just wanted to start out with this question uh, sure. because the, really one of the, the premise of the whole article is that there, the people struggle to go to church. There, there's this sense and you talk about your mm. own experience in that. Yeah. Um, but what, what do you think, you know, like, do you think in general people struggle to go to church today? Um, and, and why do you think that is? Yeah. Um, Again, like I, I really, I can't talk for the general population. I can really just talk about my experience and what friends have told me their experiences are. Um, and I guess what I've seen um, from, I guess, just attending different churches over the years. But I think people in general, um, yeah, some of them do really struggle with going to church. And I think a main reason for that could be, uh, what I mentioned in my article is just it's repetition. Um, so we just we turn up to church and if you've been going to church for several years, if you've grown up an Adventist, you pretty much know exactly what's going to happen. So you know mm. that you're going to walk in and be greeted by someone, be handed a bulletin. You pretty much know what the bulletin's going to say before you open it. The only thing that's going to be different is maybe a couple of announcements. Um the title of the sermon for that day will be different. You go to Sabbath school, you sing a few songs, you listen to a sermon. It's just over and over and over. And mm. I think um, that for some people can be really reassuring, that constant repetition. But for other people, especially when they thrive on just something different, it's it's not I guess, conducive to their spiritual life because they're not really getting anything out of it. Yeah. Um, and the other reason as well is that some churches just are just not friendly. Like, let's hmm. just call it for what it is. There are some churches that are really clicky and people have grown up in that church uh, for 50 years and, and they've basically been with the church since it started. Their kids and then their grandkids have been there and they don't really make other people who come in feel welcome. So that, I think, is another reason why people struggle to go to church. If you go to a church where, A, people aren't friendly, and, B, it's it's not really doing anything for you because you know it's so predictable, like Bird Box the movie, um, <laughs> you're not really going to want to you know, watch that movie again or read that book again or go to church again. If it's so predictable, it can be boring and people are unfriendly. That's just a bad combination just in general. Yeah. Look, um, I, I totally agree. And I, and I want to read I want to read a quote from your article because um, you capture that in, 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 I think it's in the second paragraph of your article. Sure. Uh, there is, <laughs> there is, I find this comical. There is this unintended, um, this unintended sort of parallel between <laughs> what we're talking about in this bird box movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just that, you know, um, I don't know. We might, we might continue to poke at that as we go along, but uh, let me, let me read this quote. Uh, it says this, we, we force ourselves out of bed on a Saturday morning, grumbling about how that sleeping wasn't long enough. We show up to church maybe sabbath school if we're lucky we listen we sing we give offerings and we bow our heads for prayer we shake the pastor's hand we may stay for potluck uh lunch we go home and then we do it all again the following 
week. They say repetition is good for the soul, but this was crushing mine. End quote. I want you to unpack that, like just unveil your soul for us a little bit. You know, like yeah. how does this repetition, you say this repetition was crushing your soul. Talk, t Take me through that experience a little bit uh, of what that was like and how that just created the context that led you to have, you know, this experience that you're writing about. Sure. Well, I think um, without going into too much detail, because I think the reason um, why I was experiencing all these things led me to uh, write this article, which I don't really want to reveal too much at this point, because I know that you want to go into it a little bit later. Yeah. But basically, that was my experience. So I'd come from um, a big church in Brisbane, where, you know, that was home for me. And uh, when we got married, when Dan and I got married, we moved from Brisbane down here to Kurumbong, where he was finishing off his studies. Uh, and then we got placed into two churches. And so I was struggling with um, being a new wife, uh, having a new job, I'd just started it at record, um, having two new churches, being in a new house. We moved twice in the first six months of our marriage. Um, and all I could do on Sabbath mornings with processing all of that, I also um, struggle with anxiety. Um, and I have been, you know, seeing uh, a counselor. She's wonderful and she's really been helping me through that. But at the time I wasn't. Mm. And, um, and so the, all I could do on Sabbath mornings was literally just roll myself out of bed, um, just turn up to church and just go through the motions week after week. Uh, and it really started to weigh me down, especially because there was a lot of expectations placed on me as a new pastor's wife. That's right. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that we don't really talk about. It's kind of something that everyone just assumes, oh, yeah, pastor's wives have expectations placed on them, as do pastors, as do pastors' kids, but we don't really go into depth about that. And I haven't gone into depth in my article about that, just to say that that, combined with everything else that I was already feeling, um, it was just I didn't, I didn't want to go to church anymore because mm. I just, it was mundane, it was boring, I just... It was this thing that I was constantly doing. Um, I didn't enjoy it. I wasn't happy. Um, and so then that forced me to stop and look at myself and say, okay, why is it that I'm not enjoying it? Why is it that should I be enjoying it? Um, should I be Should I be happy? Should I just go because it's what's required of me? And it really started this whole process of soul searching. But, yeah, that's what really yeah, led me to that to that point. Look, I can relate to so much of what you're saying there, yeah. and um, and so can my wife. You know, being a pastor's wife, the whole expectation thing, you know, the whole sort of um, burden or, or, or stress, you know, tension that that puts on you. Mm. It's it's so so real. Like I totally need to do just a whole episode on you know the pastor's wife phenomenon. Yeah, <laughs> but not just. Um, I mean, not just pastors' wives. Like I get yeah. that um, church members who aren't in pastoral ministry still have that you know if you have a really stressful job and you're busy during the week it can be hard to wake up on a sabbath morning especially right. early especially if your church is is far away mm. um and to roll up for sabbath school um and just listen to sabbath school then listen to the sermon then do everything that i talked about some people would just go through the motions but be thinking inside what's the point of all this yeah so yeah that's right no i totally agree L let me let me ask you a question um because like i reckon a lot of people feel this way you know okay. like I, I don't know that there is you know i don't know maybe i'm wrong here but i, I just struggle to conceptualize um, that there are people in church who don't feel the repetitious monotony uh, and, and, and but sometimes I wonder, like, you know, why do we just keep on doing it? Like, mm. I don't know if I'm framing this correctly. This is not a rehearsed question. It's just sort of emerging now as, as we're yeah, talking. Yeah. Like, it's it's like it's like we, we don't like it, but we just keep we do it anyway doing it. You know, like, yeah, it's because it's what we've always done. 
Um, and if you grow up doing something, like I said, um, I have met very few newly baptized Christians or Adventists who were struggling with the same things that I were. It was more everyone that I talked to that had the same sentiments as me were people like me that had grown up in the church and you do something over and over because that's what you've done since before you could talk. Mm. It's it's just, it's a, it's a pattern um, yeah. and you fall into that pattern uh, and unless something changes, um, like I, I go into depth later on in the article unless something changes you will constantly be stuck in that in that pattern just because it's what you've always done yeah absolutely yeah. you know I, I was it's really interesting that you say that because um i was i was researching uh i was i was writing a, a book recently so i was doing some research on philosophy and the trends in culture mm. um and one of the things i came across and look i'm no expert on this i, I mean I, I don't think i'm an expert on anything i talk about but, um <laughs> But there is one thing that I came across that I thought was interesting that I want to dig into a little bit more. And that okay. is, um, you know, during, you know, during the development of Western culture, especially, you know, leading up to the more modern era, um, there was this there was this sort of, you know, um, zeitgeist in the culture, this this shift in the way of seeing things. Mm -hmm. um, it was it was known as the romantic era, the ro romanticism. And, and, and uh, from what I was reading in the article, the author was saying that prior to this period of time, um, the, the nostalgic view of the past was very rare. If, if not, it was like almost non-existent. Like okay. no one looked at the past and thought, I wish we could go back. It was so good back then, the way we've always done. Like it, it just, it wasn't like that. And so as the romantic era started to sweep in, which was a philosophical construct, mm -hmm. this nostalgia of the past started to sweep in. And, and it was this sort of like this false idea that it was so much better back then, you know, sort of like with the whole, let's make America great again, you know, like yeah. it was so much better back then. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, this, this idea, this romantic idea, this romanticizes the past, it romanticizes tradition, it romanticizes customs and, and the way we've done things is something that we don't really, as a church, we don't really derive from scripture, we, we derive it from this cultural trend. And so it becomes ingrained in us where we, where we have, and, and, and I know, because, you know, like, as a pastor, I interact with people of all different mindsets. And, you know, especially those who are really connected to the past it's a it's a romantic connection yeah you know and so there's this there's this like oh i i wish you know we could we could continue singing these songs and it's not because the bible says you must it's you know they, they often try and frame it that way but it's really because it's this romantic idealism connected to that particular sort of era and it's even the same with you know the king james only movement you know people yeah. try and make that about um, you know, about Bible translations, where I think for the most part, there might be some people who approach it that way, but I think most people who buy into it, buy into it because there's a romantic nostalgia sort of attached to it. Um, yeah. And so, you know, I, I, I sometimes I wonder, because, you know, I, I know, like, there's got to be a, an awakening in the church where we, where we say, look, we, we've, something's got to change, but yeah. there's so many people who feel it, but it's like, oh, we're just going to keep doing it because there's like this, almost this romantic connection to this, to this dead way of being. It's, it's yeah. strange. I, I don't really fully know what to make of it, if that makes sense. Dead way of being. That's, that's a really powerful statement. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. and I mean, just talking about that, that's pretty much another factor. Um, as to what happened with me that I, like I said, I came from a big church in Brisbane and coming to these churches, I was like, well, this isn't my church. Mm. Um, this isn't the way we've done things. This is different. And everything was the same, but at the same time it was different. Yeah. Um, and just those two things just like completely just, you know, put together, just, I couldn't deal with that. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, look, I think a lot of us can can relate. I, I want to I want to read this quote that you shared on your article <clears throat> as you were okay. going through this journey, because you, you came across this quote by Charles Swindoll. Yes. <laughs> um, and uh, he's a legend, that guy. And mm -hmm. um, so I want to read that. But I, I want to read the your frame, the way you frame it as well. So okay. um, I'm quoting from you here in the process of soul searching. 
I came across a quote by Charles Swindoll that solidified my decision to stop going to church. And this is Charles Swindoll speaking. This may shock you, but I believe the single most significant decision I can make on a day-to-day -day basis is my choice of attitude. It is more important than my past, my education, my successes or failures, what other people think of me or say about me, my circumstances or my position. Attitude is that single string that keeps me going or cripples my progress. It alone fuels my fire or assaults my hope. When my attitudes are right, there's no barrier too high, no valley too deep, no dream too extreme, no challenge too great for me. Yeah. And then you go great on to quote. say, oh, yeah, it's a brilliant quote, a brilliant quote. And then you go on to say, and I'm going to end, I'm going to end the quote here. Everything changed after that. You see, I stopped going to church, but instead I started being the church. In brackets or trying to anyway, end quote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want, you know, I wanted to have you know, had... sort of the, the epic sort of feeling, you know, but there was the brackets. Well, I, um... <laughs> really wanted to, I really wanted to end it after, you know, I started being the church because that's like, wow, that's a powerful statement. But then I had to be honest with myself and be like, ah, oh, you know, I'm not being the church yet you know i'm yeah, trying to right. it's a process <laughs> yeah well look i love that you threw those quotes in there because they mm. they, they are anticlimactic but i think that that is what makes this article so powerful because you're not suggesting this cheesy black and white if you just change the way you think everything will get better you're you're what you're communicating here is 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 a struggle between yeah between what is and what could be. And so I want you to e extrapolate that. I want you to explain that a little bit. And, and, okay. and, you know, this, what does this mean to you? This, I stopped going to church. I, I started being the church. What does this mean to you? How did it impact the the experience that you were having and, and the way that you look at the church even into the future? Yeah, so I think the reason why I decided to be a bit more realistic, in the past, I've often been... Um, I guess, too idealistic, uh, too dreamlike with what I write. Mm. Um, and I say, I'm going to be this and I'm going to be this. Um, and it just never ends up happening. And so I knew that if I put that I was trying to be the church, that would keep me accountable. And the hundreds of people that have read the article can also keep me accountable as well. But I think what changed for me was I realized um, – that I was just simply showing up. I was just a shell of myself that was rolling myself out of bed. I was just going through the motions. It was just a body. It was as if um, I stepped out of myself and I was just watching this person just go shake hands, just talk to people because she had to, uh, roll up to Sabbath school because she had to. Again, like I was saying, I was doing it because it's what I'd always done. My husband was a pastor. I can't stay home. I have to go. I have to support him. Um, but I really started looking back at, and again, it was it was the the quote by Charles Swindoll really helped solidify the decision. But it was kind of the final puzzle piece in this giant, I guess, algorithm of just figuring out what was going on. Um, and I looked at my church in Brisbane and I thought about why I loved going there, um, and it was because I was. Being the church there, I didn't see it as something that I had to do. I saw it as something that I loved to, um, I guess, be a part of. Um, and I think the whole shift for that church for me was viewing the church like I mentally knocked down the walls and saw myself as just being part of the people that make up a church. Um, and the reason why I was so happy there was because I was helping out with music. Um, I was, there was a need for us to have a young adult Sabbath school class there. Um, and there was, we were currently in with the, well, back then we were in with the youth. Um, and there was a real need to have a separate young adults and youth Sabbath school class because what a 16-year-old needs is very different to what a 23-year-old young professional needs. Yeah. Um, and so I was like, right, okay, we need that. Um, who's going to run it? No one wanted to run it. So I was like, okay, I'll run it. I'll, I will start up that young adult class. And I was being the church, if that makes any sense. Mm. 
And so I took that. I took a bunch of Bible scripture reading. I really like poured into the Bible and I looked at what being a church meant. And in the um, in the early Christian days, uh, there was no such thing as mega churches where you have thousands of people turn up and one person stands on stage and everyone listens. They met in their homes. Um, And it it changed from home to home. So church wasn't a place. Uh, Church was a people. Mm. And it was the group of people. And so that combined with my experiences back home, just reflection and just looking at quotes. um, And, of course, just prayer, lots and lots of prayer. (laughs) Um, It basically, I realized that I needed to start being involved uh, Mm. in my churches um, here in here on the central coast that was the thing that i was missing i wasn't being involved in church um i wasn't participating with my whole heart i wasn't you know i think every single person has skills and gifts and talents that god's given them yeah um everyone's is going to be different uh what's what I'm passionate about and the talents and skills that God's given me are going to be different to yours and they're going to be different to your wife's or my husband's. Um, but I think that if I'm not using those skills and those talents to serve my church family, um, then really I'm, am I really being part of the church? I, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I'm kind of tripping over my words and just trying to get like everything that's in my brain out. <laughs> no, I love but, it because yeah, I mean, that's... what you're talking right now is what you're talking about right now is like, it's an ongoing process. It is. It is an ongoing process. And I think above it all, um, it came down to attitude as well. Um, I knew that I had to, in the article, extrapolate a little bit more on um being rather than going because you like you said i can't just say oh it's all about your attitude and that's it um but really a lot of it does come down to attitude once you shift Mm. your way of thinking and you shift your perspective from this isn't about me this is about my family my church family um this isn't about this it's about something else once you shift perspectives and change your attitude um, like Charles Wendell says, there's really, there's no challenge too great. Um, yeah. And as cheesy as that sounds, when you look at it um, in the context of of being the church, um, he's 100% right. That's yeah. right. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's really, really interesting um, when you say this, because the reality is that this experience that we have with church, it's it's not actually unique to, to the church sphere. Like mm. it happens everywhere. You know, like if you think back through the different places that you've been and the different experiences that you've been in in your life, there's there's always the, the few who thrive and do something crazy, wild and, and, and just amazing. And then there's the bunch who just complain. So, you know, yeah. you, go, you go back <laughs> to high school and it's and it's there you go back to your first job and it's there you know i think back to being in the military and and it was there you know you had the you had the guys who they they, it's not that they were ignoring that there was stuff that was you know not the greatest but they they focused on on their attitude and having a positive attitude and they thrived and they they had great experiences and they took advantage of everything they were learning and then there was the bunches who just complained and and yeah and, you know, I've seen that, you know, when I was in New Jersey before going to school to be a pastor, I worked at a chemical plant. And again, you know, I was working in this chemical plant with these guys who Man, just you've had spent... some cool life experiences. <laughs> well, let me let me let me tone it down a little bit. The chemical plant, <laughs> the only thing that they did was they made ink for printers. All right. It wasn't like uh, some cool chemical plant like from The Simpsons. So yeah, uh... <laughs> the chemical plant sounds way cooler. Let's yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they made ink for printers. That's pretty much it. But um. The, um, you know, like the guys who work there, they spent their whole time complaining about the entrepreneur who started the business. Right. And then, you know, and then there's the entrepreneur who started the business, who's making millions and who's traveling the world, you know, who's just focusing on his attitude. And, and, and I started to really notice that, you know, it doesn't matter what sphere of life you're in. Um, there's always very little you can do about what's happening out there yeah but there's so much you can do about what's happening 
in in your own heart. And the amazing thing that I've seen over and over again is that the people who focus on what's happening in their heart are the ones who have the most impact on what's happening out there. Yeah. But the people who focus on what's happening out there are the ones who have the least impact on what's happening out there. So you're so right. You know, and in your article, look, I just want to read another quote. I I wasn't planning on this, but it's so powerful. (laughs) You said, I stopped viewing churches four walls and realized that the only wall that mattered was the one I was building in front of my heart. Yeah. It's like, boom. (laughs) Yeah. Again, that's a bit of a, I think my husband read that and he was like, oh, that's so corny. But I mean, it was, it was true. It was my experience. Um, I was shutting myself off from these people because um, I didn't want to be there because it wasn't like my home church because I just, I wasn't involved. I wasn't being active. This didn't feel like church to me. Mm. And then I was like, well, really, what is church? And again, it comes, it comes down to exactly what you were just saying, complaining um, instead of, instead of doing something to change your attitude or even if, even once you've changed that and you don't like something, well, change it. You yeah. know, you, you be the one to go and, and, and fix something in your local church. If Yeah, some things yeah. you can't change. Like if you really don't like your pastor's preaching, you know, maybe it's a change of attitude or change of heart. Um, mm. But if there's, if you don't like the potluck food at church and you complain week after week after week about it, well, you bring potluck food that you like and maybe <laughs> other people will like that too, you know. And yeah. I, I do mention that as well in, in my article that I one of the things I tried to do as well was stop blaming people mm. um, because like you were saying with, with the guys in the in the chemical plant that were just complaining about the entrepreneur, we do that in our churches. Uh, we point our fingers a lot at church administration and say, you know, they're not, they're not doing this, they're not doing that. Um, instead of pointing it back at ourselves and saying, well, what can I do to yeah. make it better? Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. I love it. And and it's so true. And I think that's one of the things that I try and encourage people the most. And sometimes like, let's let's be real here. I, I think sometimes we're so we're so we can be so jaded mm. by our experience um, that we, we begin to interpret this whole thing through, through a very bitter lens. Yeah. And and it's once this is dangerous because the moment that you get there, um, the moment that you get there, not only do you become incapable of enacting real change, uh, but there's literally nothing anyone can say to 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 help give you a different perspective. And so, you know, like you were saying, like, you know, anyone can look at this and say, oh, this is cheesy. That doesn't work in real life. And, you know, usually when when people are approaching it, at least in my experience, you know, I don't don't want to be a blanket statement on everyone. But in my experience, when I find people who feel that way, like they've just gotten used to being so, so negative that there's not really anything you can do. And so it's, 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 it's dangerous to, to, to go down that track too much because, you know, I definitely believe in pointing out the stuff that's wrong with church. I do it all the time. That's what the Story Church Project, that's like half of what I do. <laughs> I'm like, this is wrong and this is wrong and we need to, you know, but the the other side of the coin is that for every problem that I point out, I'm pointing out solutions. You know, that's exactly. why this podcast exactly. exists. That's why this whole project yeah. exists is to try and inspire solutions. Um, not, not to say that I have them, but to at least get that conversation going, you know? Because if you bring up a, a possible solution, it may be that someone else has been thinking through that solution and, yeah. you know, two people start working on a solution and then a third person joins and before yeah. long you've solved a problem. Absolutely, absolutely. And so, that's church. Yeah, that's church. absolutely. That's a community of people working together to make something better. Well, I was going to say, like, I actually had a, a, a similar experience um, with that myself because I, I came to church one Sabbath and I didn't want to be there. I'm the pastor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of have to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah. You know, and I have, I've told, you know, like, I, I make no qualms about it. You know, I tell people, you know, I'm a pastor who doesn't like church. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think that's OK. It's it's not that I don't like church. It's that I don't like what we've done with it. Um, okay. But um I came to I came to church one Sabbath and you know it had been a you know tough tough month and I was tired and I was you know I just honestly I just wanted to be on holiday and um, didn't want to be there and I thought to myself you know what if what if I walked around and looked purposefully for needs 
like just purposefully when I talk yeah. to people. Because here's the thing, you know, and this is a thing that I think a lot of a lot of millennials struggle with. Um, and, and I haven't seen any studies on it, but just from conversations that I've had, I think this is something millennials struggle with. Like, you know, millennials want to be with with people who, who are like them. And sometimes you go to church and nobody there is like you. Yeah, you know, 100%. people people are old or, you know, they're conservative and they're just not your crowd. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not they're your not crowd your at all. They're yeah. not your people. Yeah. Um, and that can be really draining. And so, but I came to church and I said, you know what, you know, like I said, forget the whole, like my crowd thing. Like, let me just look for needs. And I started just chatting with people um, you know, I, instead of just the typical, Hey, happy Sabbath, you know, good to see you. You know, I really started talking to people. Oh, you know, so what's going on? And, and, you know, within one hour I had, you know, I had encountered three people that had like some really big needs in their life. I was even able to pray over them. And I felt like so amazing wow. yeah. after that, yeah. you know, and it was like, okay, you know, like this, this can happen all the time, you know? So you just I have to be willing to agree. let God use you in that space. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah. 100%. And I, I have the same experience because one of our churches, I think I, I mentioned earlier, is um, an older church. So mm. when I say that, I literally mean that Dan and I are the youngest people in the church mm. by a solid like, oh, I'm a journalist. So I don't want to exaggerate and say like 60 years, but I'm also <laughs> really bad with ages. So yeah. I'm going to say like maybe 45 to 50 okay. with the youngest yeah, yeah. people. We Look, we're the youngest people by a long shot. Yeah. And that was one of the churches that I, I was really struggling with because I thought, you know, like you were saying, these aren't my people. How do mm. I connect with them? Yeah. Um, and let's be honest, like there's going to be Sabbaths, even if you change your attitude, even if you change your perspective and looking at things and you try and be the church, you become more involved look, there's just going to be Sabbaths where you wake up and you just don't want to go to church. Like it's mm. just, there's Sabbaths, well, there's not Sabbath, sorry. There's days where you wake up and you just don't, don't want to go to work, even if you love your job. Um, it's just life. It happens. And, and there have been Sabbaths like that. Uh, but I think what you were saying as well is so true. If you just uh, ask how God can use you to be a blessing to someone, mm. That is just like, it's powerful. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Um, Absolutely. And man. a lot of the time without intending it, you are the one that gets the blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, if you look for other people to, yeah. to bless. Um, yeah. Absolutely. So. Absolutely, man. So look, I have one, one more question for you. Um, okay. You're sitting, you're sitting at a, at a table. Um, I don't know. Let's make this cool. You're in dome sitting on one of those giant Chesterfield sofas. Okay. Um, having a, having a, uh, I don't know. I lost my, uh, I lost a my, water? my metaphor. Not a water, uh, a tea of some I, sort. I don't, a well, peppermint I said, tea. Well, I, Let's do I that. Said, I said water because I don't drink anything else. Uh, water. <laughs> water and apple juice. That's pretty much as, as wild as I get. All right, let's do the apple juice now. We <laughs> okay, got some flavor. Right. Having an apple really, juice, really, really because... nice cold pressed apple juice. That's yeah, right. Yeah, that's exciting. Love it. <laughs> so you're sitting there because um, you know one of the uh, young people in your church said, "I want to, I want to meet up and have a chat," and they expressed to you, "I'm really tired of going to church, and I think I'm going to stop." Um, and there may mm-hmm. be someone listening to the podcast right now that is probably in that space. Like, look, I'm really at the verge of just cutting, calling it, calling it quits. Um, what would you say? <laughs> I was waiting for the what would you say, and ah, uh, that's that's really tough because, um, uh, I've had okay. So, in response to my article, um, I got quite a few emails, and a third of them were people who were just going off at me because they completely missed the point of the entire article. <laughs> they just read so the often, title. Dude. <laughs> they just read the title. Yes. Uh, and that was it. Yeah. And that was enough for them to, you know, begin to throw stones at me. Um, and so with those, you know, you've got to, you got to pray. They, they, those type of people, they really do challenge your Christian experience, but you just got to pray and just <laughs> encourage them to, you know, read the article again. Um, and then the other third was, um, people who were saying um how grateful they were because you know these are my experiences and then the other third were people that like we said before were a little bit jaded um Mm. and they had basically 
nothing was ever going to change for them and they were just past the point of, of no return. And those people, you know, they were really difficult and they, I really had to pray for them and think about what I was going to respond. Um, but I did, the second group, I did have a lot of young people who messaged me and said that they were thinking of leaving church as well. And it's really difficult in that situation because, again, like you were saying, I'm by no means any expert in this topic. Um, all I write about is my own experience and hope that my experience can help someone else in their journey. Mm. Um, and so I think for me to to say to that one person, you know, uh, if they said to me, I'm thinking of going to church, what would I say to them? It's difficult because I don't know their experience, their backstory. Um, this is a type of thing where um, one size does not fit all. That's so. Right. I'd have to know a little bit about their background. Why is it that they don't want to go to church anymore? What What is it about um, their church? What is it about their experience? Is it, is it because someone has hurt them over and over? Because that's a completely different situation to mm. I just don't like it because it's boring. That's right. um, yeah. So I feel like each situation would be uniquely different. Mm. But having said that, I think the one size fits all in this entire situation in just answering that question in general would be um, to pray about it um, and to genuinely take a look at their attitude um, in regards to the church in general. I found that a lot of young people, um, millennials, just young churchgoers have a really negative attitude towards the church in general. They feel like it's outdated. They feel like it's not relevant to them. Um, and so I would really encourage them to pray, first of all, because, you know, prayer above all things, it, it just illuminates your life. It shines light on, um, I guess, dark spots of your life that can sometimes be uncomfortable. But mm. I think it's really necessary to have that soul-searching process yeah. um, and to invite God on that soul-searching process as well so yeah. that he can really show you the areas of your life that you need to improve you know, church or no yeah. church. That's um, a really good point. And, and I, I yeah. love, I've loved what you said on two levels. Number one, I love the way that you captured the complexity inherent in this experience because there there is no one size fits all. And I think that's really important to understand. Yeah. Um, and number two, you know, assuming, assuming a, a, a general sort of, you know, experience, you know, mm. a, a, assuming that, um, I like what you're saying because you know really at the end of the day and and i i preached a sermon it was actually my first sermon that i preached here in wa it was at a youth rally okay and one of the points i made in the sermon was you know the church can bend over backwards to be relevant and connect and meet your needs and all that stuff um but if you are not nurturing your walk with god on your own yep we will never be able to keep you exactly no matter what we do exactly know? there yeah. is literally nothing that the church can do if you're and like i said in my article i was building up that wall in front of my heart mm. and because i had that wall there was absolutely nothing that the church could do to get through to me it, mm. i i was the one that had to break that down obviously with 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 god's help well, god was the one to break that down um, but I was the one who had to, you know, put down my armor, put down my my guards and everything and say, OK, you know, I need to do a, an evaluation of my life. Um, and so that's what I would would recommend for any young person who is thinking of of stopping going to church to do um, mm. to, to have that soul searching process um, and to remember that it's not a lot of the young people that wrote to me, they were expecting like a quick fix solution. They were like, oh, you know you stopped going to church, you started being the church. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's an 800 word article. Um, <laughs> how, did you, how did you do it? And they wanted a quick fix solution and it's not yeah. a quick fix. It's, it, it took me months and months mm. of coming to probably about six months yeah. of coming to a process. And even now uh, it's still a process. It's, um, mm. it's still a work in progress. We're all still works in progress. God's still working on our hearts if we let him. And I think that's the that's the main takeaway point. You have to be willing to let God work in your heart, um, or else there's nothing that's going to change ever. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And look, I, and and, yeah. and I know you would agree with this. This is not to take away from the responsibility that the church has to no. to adapt and redesign and become a meaningful place of worship. 
Um, but at the end of the day, even if the church did all that, if we are not personally connected to Christ, it mm. wouldn't be enough. It, wouldn't be uh, enough, it takes so. it takes a two step process. The church yeah. can't pull back and be just like, oh, you know, it's up to you. You're the one that makes this place great. Mm-hmm. Um, it's up to you and your spiritual experience. We're just going to back off completely. No, they have to yeah. continue to try and reach young adults, to reach children, to um, reach the community, just keep growing as a, as a church. But I think it's unrealistic to expect the church to keep growing and to keep trying to reach them if we're not trying to grow ourselves. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, that's a, that's like a that's like a meme. That's a meme right there. Yeah, that's a, that's meme. a meme waiting to happen. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Maritza. We've we've run out of time. Um, look, I really want to thank you for coming on uh, the Story Church podcast and sharing no um, and talking about your article. I'm gonna link it underneath uh, on SoundCloud. Now, if you're listening to this on Spotify or iTunes, uh, you might not get that link. Um, but if you look up the Story Church Project on um, SoundCloud, or if you just go to the StoryChurchProject.com and look at the blog, uh, the uh, blog titled, Why You Should Stop Going to Church, all the links will be there. Maritza, if someone wanted to get in touch with you, uh, they heard this episode and they said, look, I really enjoy the way that she interacts with this topic and I'd like to send her a personal email and ask her, maybe maybe I'm struggling with you know, not wanting to go to church anymore or something within that sphere. Uh, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, like well, like I was saying, I. I would love to be sitting across literally having like an apple juice with a person so that I could get to know them and stuff. So if if um, if anyone wanted to get in contact, the best way to probably do that would be through my social media channels. Um, I think my email is on both of my Instagram and my Twitter. So my Twitter handle is Maritza E. Munoz. Um, I'm sure those will be up on the links as well. They will. Maybe on yep. the SoundCloud. Yeah. And my Instagram is a bit easier. It's Maritza underscore Brunt. Yep. And that's Maritza with a Z. With a Z, S. yes. Not actually, I keep. Uh, <laughs> yes, I need to spell that. It is M A R I T Z A. That's probably like the fiftieth time I've spelt that for someone. Over <laughs> all good, all good, man. <laughs> well, Maritza, thank you again um, for coming on. I really appreciated um, you taking the time out of your busy schedule to, no to share with us about your thank experience. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely, man. Um, you know, and just opening up the way that you have and it's been absolutely brilliant and i've really enjoyed it and appreciated it so thank you again for coming on the show and before we close guys uh, i just want to invite you if you haven't had a chance yet and you're listening to this podcast to head over to the storychurchproject.com and uh if you subscribe to the mailing list there's actually a new book that i've just um released it's called how it's titled rather how to study the bible with postmoderns and you can download it for free so check it out guys storychurchproject.com you can get that there uh until the next time may god bless you may he inspire you as you and i all of us together seek to redesign adventism god bless Thank you for listening to this week's latest episode of the Story Church Project Podcast. I hope you were blessed. If you haven't yet had a chance, I want to invite you to head over to thestorychurchproject.com and subscribe to the newsletter. Not only will you get the latest updates every week, but I'm also going to send you a free gift straight to your inbox. You don't want to miss it. I'll catch you on the next one.